and welcome back to I'm No Expert But. I'm Cassie and I have done a really crap job of saying thank you so much for listening and supporting the podcast so far. It means so much to me. Uh, Remember that you can get updates on everything and find out more about the contributors over on the Twitter at NoExpertPod. This week I was joined by Natanya who works in restructuring and insolvency and I know the whole premise of the show is me knowing nothing about careers and then finding out more about them but I'm also one of those people that like turns off as soon as someone talks about business and money so it was really great that Natanya was able to make the subject of restructuring like so accessible and understandable in a way that someone like me who is actually scared of maths <laughs> can get and can get enthusiastic about and she's great and I hope you enjoy this podcast I learn a lot so hi welcome hello thanks for having me I'm no expert but I work in restructuring restructuring and insolvency is what happens when either companies or individuals go bankrupt and don't have any money the restructuring bit tends to be the bit before they go bankrupt normally you don't really want someone to go bankrupt so you'll try and give them as many options as possible to make sure they don't lose all their money mm-hmm. the bankruptcy and insolvency bit is the bit that happens at the end where there's literally no money and you have to just shut everything down <laughs> which is not great <laughs> so I oh, I always say this actually when someone yeah. asks me like oh that's actually kind of interesting working with people who don't have any money and I would always say that I fell into it so I never woke up one morning and was like I'm gonna work with bankrupt people <laughs> good because I was gonna like my first question was gonna be like when you were little were you like when I'm older I'm gonna work in bankruptcy I actually <laughs> wanted to work for NASA I wanted to be an astronaut when well, I was little <laughs> I wanted to be a bus driver so I'm glad that you had higher hopes <laughs> so I fell into it when I was in my third year I applied for lots of internships and actually this was the last internship that I applied for so I remember being Wait, in a what lecture. did you do at uni? So that's one of the things as well I should mention. I have a French degree. Oh, okay, so, And I now work in finance. So the two are unrelated. But you might um, want to go to France someday. <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing actually as well. Um, bankruptcy regimes are different in different jurisdictions. Okay. So actually working in France would be totally different to working in the UK. Oh. There are some EU laws that sort of overlap. I know that actually. I've heard that it's really difficult to make French people redundant from yes. it, from experience, yes. I've heard. Yes, it is super, super hard because they're super protected by law. So yep. one of the things that you have to do sometimes in an insolvency process is make people redundant. Mm-hmm. And in France, the labour laws are so strict that it's virtually, it's nigh on impossible to fire people. It's like the opposite of America. Yeah. So again, in America, they have what you call a chapter 11. Mm-hmm. Um, so you might have heard about that before with like Toys R Us went into a chapter 11 oh, process, yeah. which is what closed Toys R Us down over there. Oh. Um, and basically what happened in the UK is you would just have an equivalent process, which is called an administration, which is what actually some people might have heard of when they think of insolvency or bankruptcy. They would have thought of like Woolworths or Blockbuster, what's a big one we had um, recently? Like Land Rover. Land, Land Rover kind of, they made a lot of people redundant, but I wouldn't say they, they don't exist anymore. Uh, okay. I'm trying to think of companies that don't exist so much. We had lots on the high street, actually. Hmm. Woolworths was a massive one. Uh, HMV oh, is currently yeah. in an insolvency process. Again, those are the high profile things that people will think of actually when they're like what is insolvency so i have a french degree by background i was literally in a french lecture like applying for jobs because i was like i don't know what i'm gonna do with my life pretty much this was literally the last i'd been rejected from so many internships this was the last Same. throw of the dice and i was just like i'll be honest i wasn't even doing the internship application properly because at this point i was apathetic i was like well i'll just go traveling for a year and i got it amazing um, which was amazing where was this so this was at deloitte so well that's like huge as if you just were like whatever let's throw my cv at them and they like took you on 
That's incredible. So I got an internship with Deloitte and I applied to restructuring because I didn't really want to do auditing or tax. For me, that's kind of a bit boring. So I thought it might be a bit exciting. Mm -hmm. So I did three weeks. Actually, I was working on Blockbuster. So I was helping to adjudicate uh, landlord claims because one of the big things you have when you have an insolvency process is you have all the creditors and creditors are people that are owed money. So Mm -hmm. this will be people like banks, suppliers, employees, landlords are a massive one. And so we were basically adjudicating all the landlord claims because the landlords were like, well, I wasn't paid my rent. So we just decide if they were owed something, essentially. And you'd have something called a distribution. So you essentially liquidate all of the company. So you wind it down, you get all the proceeds and all the money, and then you distribute it to everyone that's owed money. Okay. And by law in the UK, there are levels of who is owed money and how important they are. Okay. So when Philip Green, that whole BHS yes. stuff, like what level was pen- were pensions on, I guess? So pensions are a tricky one because technically... An employee is a preferential creditor. That's a fancy way of saying they need to be paid. They're one of the first people to get paid. I'm glad you preempted (laughs) me not knowing what a preferential creditor is. Um, So they're one of the employees should get their holiday pay and their wages paid. And in most administration processes, if the company can't pay them, Mm -hmm. sometimes the lenders or the shareholders will step in and say the employees need to be paid. You clearly kind of not have people on the streets who can't can't pay their rent because some company's gone bust. Yeah, it's really unfair. So they have to get paid. And if all else fails, the government can actually pay people. Oh, Um, there's like an insolvency redundancy pot. I probably haven't described that well at all but the go- they will get paid by the government somehow okay so employees are one of the first people to get paid mm-hmm. then you have your people who lent the company money so these might be banks these might be i don't know hedge funds these could be pension funds um and they've essentially lent money to the company mm-hmm. and what they'll normally have is they'll normally have security so security is like your house or some kind of thing that they can physically repossess if you do not pay them yeah And so what kind of happened in the whole BHS Philip Green thing Mm -hmm. is that pensions aren't pensions aren't really covered because essentially it's a cost to the company. It's not like a wage or or something that the employee can claim back. So they kind of skipped out. And then obviously he wasn't as well. He wasn't the pension fund had a liability. So they weren't paying in enough to cover the cost of the pensions. And they were just leaving it. So what you had as a massive hole and in the insolvency process, pensions were kind of ignored. So it then meant that Philip Green had to go back and, you know, take sell one of his yachts <laughs> or, and, and just fill the black hole. But yeah, pensions are a tricky one because actually lo- a lot of the time they get missed off because they're not, they're not like a wage where yeah. if people don't get paid wages, people will start rioting. It's kind of like a you don't cost really think about that like, you don't think about. Very honestly, I never think about my pension, which probably isn't very good. Yeah. <laughs> so to get into Deloitte did you need I always think you'd need like some maths degree or maths A level or any businessy things did you have like any qualifications like that or was it, was it just like so tenacity? so I so with my degree so it was it was business and French so oh, okay. it was like half and half so I did do a bit of business but I would say that actually speaking to French mm-hmm. got me further oh. I think because it's quite like an unusual skill yeah but in terms of my graduate intake, because I ended up, once I did my internship, I ended up getting invited back to join the graduate so scheme good. the following year. Would you say that happens like a lot in grad schemes and things like going for, if you want to kind of get on that grad scheme and going for that internship? Oh yeah, company? absolutely. Yeah. The earlier you can get into a company, the easier it makes it for you. Yeah. So in my graduate intake, 
I would say half and half for doing like business or maths. Um, And then the rest didn't do any sort of business. And I don't think it makes a great deal of difference. I think you should study something you enjoy at university because then you'll do well or better in it. And then actually getting a better degree, you will get you further because someone's gonna be like oh this person got a first that's amazing i agree um, I, I did english and i don't really write about like edgar Allan poe on the daily but also <laughs> just i enjoyed it and then i'm in so much debt anyway that i would re- feel really sad if i was in loads of debt for a, a degree that i didn't enjoy oh absolutely if you don't enjoy it you're not going to do well in it and it, you're just going to drop out and it's yeah. just going to be horrible so i would say to do something you like and mm-hmm. um, quite a lot of people did history for some weird reason actually yeah i don't get that yeah but, <laughs> i mean some of my friends like history whatever <laughs> so in my intake i had like people who did law people who did history um maybe people who did like geography um yeah. so just like, ra- like quite random degrees you, that's just like our like self or our, in our country is just like i have so many friends that did a completely different degree to what they like do now and i guess that's like good in one way but at the same time it just kind of proves that i don't know that you don't need that it's just experience basically to get into jobs and yeah things. Absolutely. It's all about, you know, the skills you can bring mm-hmm. and different degrees use different skills. And so. the people you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that helps massively. <laughs> so you got the internship in your third year and then you got onto the grad scheme straight after uni. So, yeah. So I did four years at university because I did French. So I ended up living um, abroad in Bordeaux for a lovely year. Nice. Um, I do miss Bordeaux, actually. So that's... Yeah, that's sort of how I ended up at Deloitte. Mm-hmm. So I joined the grad scheme in September 2015. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. It's 2015. And I was sort of just thrown in at a deep end. So most Deloitte grads will, or if you do one of the big four graduate schemes, you will study for a qualification. What are the big four? Because I, so, I will throw that term around, but if I'm honest, I don't <laughs> Sorry, know. Sorry, I will take are. a step back. <laughs> so the big four are the big four accounting firms. Uh-huh. And essentially, they are KPMG, PwC, Deloitte, and EY. So you might have heard those names yeah, around. Yeah, I, I live pretty near Canary Wharf, so I've just looked at the building. Yeah, KPMG, the KPMG yeah. building is in Canary Wharf. Mm-hmm. So they're the big four. And actually, they used to be called the Big Five. Oh. Um, until, um, I don't know if you ever heard of Enron. No. So, in the um, early noughties, there was a company called Enron, which, uh, I'm probably going to get this wrong, but basically, it was a massive fraud or scam involving what was, I think it was like an energy company or something like this. And the energy company was basically just moving lots of money around and making it look like it was making money, but actually it was literally just like one big Ponzi scheme. They're just moving money around. And so the auditors of Enron were a company called Arthur Anderson. Mm -hmm. And basically the whole entire fraud of Enron which they were auditing, took out Arthur Anderson. The punishment was so great that, and the compensation they had to pay was so great that basically they went bankrupt as well. So the, people, went, the people who were auditing yeah, went... So, okay. so they, the auditors went bankrupt and Enron went bank- bankrupt. Oh and that happened in... It happened over in the US, but it also trickled over to the UK. Mm-hmm. So what happened is Arthur Anderson got... They basically took the employees of Arthur Anderson into Deloitte and mm-hmm. some of them actually went to EY, I think, as well. And basically Deloitte took oh, it in and so became... Is there anything in place now to like prevent that from happening or do you reckon like... Oh... I would hope they've put enough laws in place yeah. to stop, you know, an entire accounting company being taken out. But it wouldn't shock me um, if it happened. Um, at the moment, you've got Patisserie Valerie. I don't know if you know. No. That. So Patisserie Valerie cakes, is a bake is a bakery <laughs> chain, and that's currently an administration, and oh. they potentially have found. They think it's due to an accounting fraud, but no one has worked out 
quite what's happened. So they essentially were saying to their shareholders that they had 20 million in cash when actually they didn't have any cash at all and were 10 million in debt. So that's a massive gap. So like the fire festival of like festival bakery. So you would you would think that because of Enron was a massive scandal. Mm-hmm. It like it was really bad. And you would think that they would put things in place, but I also also think if people are willing to commit fraud, it's gonna happen yeah. anyway. And they will be devious and sneaky and try and disguise it in any shape or form they can so sometimes even people checking humans make mistakes yeah um people miss things so you know you never know with these things true okay so back to (laughs) (laughs) deloitte i just like the goss of the industry (laughs) back to like deloitte so on your grad scheme how long was it so the graduate scheme is three years and that's because three years is the right amount of time for you to get enough experience to become a qualified accountant. Okay. Most people will, it depends. So most people who do the audit um, graduate scheme or the corporate finance um, graduate scheme, which is the one I did, mm-hmm. they will do an accounting qualification, uh, which is called the ACA. Um, and that is the uh, Association of Chartered Accountants. Okay. Um, there are lots of other accounting qualifications, but we'll only talk about that one because it gets a bit confusing. Some people in the consulting scheme will do SEMA, which is the Chartered Institute of Management Accountants. Okay. So it's a slightly different qualification. And then some people will do the CTA, which is like Chartered Tax Association. How long, how many, because my friend is an actuary. Oh, and they are. Yeah, she has like a bazillion. So a- I would, I thought about becoming an actuary, but I think that is like another level yeah. of exam. Like really the exams bad. are hard. Loads of people fail. And yeah, it's yeah. quite boring, okay. I think. So personally. how many exams? No, no, she agrees. <laughs> <laughs> how many exams do you have or how long does that kind of typically take? So it takes about two years to finish all the exams because there are, there are 15 um, which after you've just finished university and I did quite an exam heavy course, yeah. um, it's a lot because you're so like, I'm and free you're from working uni. and revising after work. Yeah, so you have 15 exams. They're spread out over two years. The good thing is that um, you sort of take them in blocks. So you do the first sort of six, which are on the computer, and they're like multiple choice, so they're quite easy to do. Then you do the next. Oh gosh, you do like another six. And then you've got three more on top of that. I'd had to do the math. I was like, six and six and <laughs> three is 15. I don't know. <laughs> and so it takes about three years for you to get, as well as doing the exams, you have to have enough um, like practical experience for you doing stuff in the workplace to become mm-hmm. an accountant. So it takes about three years in total. Did you take all those exams? So I did. Um, I did all 15. My advice to people is if you do it as part of the big four, you will get, so you get to go to college. So college is like university again, where they just teach you how to like, do accounting. Because I need that. Like I would not get home and just be motivated by myself. I would need to be in like a classroom or something. Yeah. So you get some classroom bits. You get some self-study days. Mm-hmm. You can take the day off and study. And you also just have to sort of sit down and cancel your plans after work sometimes and just do some work. You kind of, <laughs> I know, it's kind of sad because you're like, it's yay, not yay, I'm, I've graduated. I should have money. And it's like, but now I have to spend my time revising instead of having fun. Yeah, but then the payoff is good, right? So you're an you're a qualified accountant now. I am. Um, wow. As of uh, last month, Amazing. I'm actually a proper member, <laughs> which is really cool. That's so cool. <laughs> um, so you pretty much like, well, hopefully, have like a job for life. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I would say, lots of people actually 
do the big four graduate schemes and they're not quite sure what they what they want to do with their life mm-hmm. but it's quite a good backup plan yeah, definitely. because you can all they're always looking for accountants everywhere always. so it's quite a solid sensible life choice definitely <laughs> like, i'm kind of wishing that i had some skills now which is <laughs> be nice to have some practical skills so you've done you spent how long at Deloitte? You're not there so anymore, right? I'm not at Deloitte anymore. So I spent, I pretty much did my three years mm-hmm. and um, I left because I got poached by another mm, okay. firm, essentially. Careers. Um, <laughs> which is kind of cool. So I've been poached by a smaller firm that does advisory work. So they don't do the insolvency process, which is very heavily regulated mm-hmm. and quite messy. They sort of do the processes before, so they will either go into a company and advise them what to do, how can they improve their sales, how can they improve their finance function, how can they just generally improve. They sort of do the bits before, or they'll advise the lenders or the shareholders, how can the company improve, what are your options, do you sell the company, do you wind it down? So I do a lot of that type of work now. Do you prefer that? Because I think I would prefer that rather than like, I imagine that working in like kind of bankruptcy and seeing that process would be kind of heavy after a while and a little bit grim so do you kind of prefer the before part absolutely absolutely don't get me wrong you get into within solvency you get into some interesting situations so the last one i worked on was um gaucho Mm. um so the restaurant chain and that was really interesting as in so we were sort of running the company when you're in an administration process what Mm. happens is the court or the shareholders or the lenders i think i've got that right there's only three people can appoint. Honestly, you will. can say anything. <laughs> <laughs> they will appoint an administrator and the administrator essentially runs the company and that removes the directors. And so what will happen is we will come in and run the day-to-day business. I don't know about you, but I've never run a restaurant before in my life. So the amount of things that would Wait, come cooking up... Cooking Mama, though. <laughs> so you used to play that on DS. So <laughs> I'd be all right. The amount of things that would come up on a day-to-day basis and you would just... It would blow your mind. So with Gaucho, like, we had this, like, meat supplier and they weren't getting paid. So they were just like, well, we're not going to bring you any meat. And it, it's a steak restaurant. We can't have no meat. <laughs> it's a KFC situation. Like, yeah, like, literally. Again. Well, like, it's going to be the first vegan week at Gaucho. <laughs> <laughs> um so you just have really bizarre situations and then we had for some reason there was like a golf buggy at one of the restaurants and the golf buggy basically people turned up wanting to repossess the golf buggy <laughs> one of the days and we were like first of all we didn't even know the golf buggy existed <laughs> so we were like what golf buggy and it's like well apparently we own a golf buggy now and we had to like pay these people because actually apparently the golf buggy was really useful at the restaurant but we never knew this. Oh. So I I would say insolvency is super interesting, super, lots of variety. So I've seen the insides of lots of different companies, but also super stressful because when you are, I was managing the payments process. So ensuring that people got paid and it can get really stressful when people don't get, oh, definitely. don't get paid. So you'd have suppliers calling you up. Sometimes you have employees and, and it's, sometimes it's not your fault you've got to get people to sign off things but it's super super interesting but as you said stressful particularly i never had to lay anyone off Um, but i know people people who did and they were given like a script and very strict instructions because you can't just say anything but it's stressful yeah and and it's hard not to like emote because you obviously like empathize and feel for people yeah at the end of the day you're only human and it's horrible it's horrible having to do that sort of job in some ways but insolvency is fun (laughs) insolvency is fun become an insolvency practitioner (laughs) i like that this is just the message that we're spreading um it's actually quite a rare thing to do so yeah i was gonna ask you like what's the 
because I, I read that there was um, a really big age gap in like bankruptcy and insolvency that's just like a lot of old people essentially and you're pretty young so yeah <laughs> you're very young for yeah. it do you kind of find that and do you find that you're often the only woman or what's, um, what's the landscape of it all like well I'll talk about the big four as mm-hmm. a whole so the whole graduate intake I would say it's getting better in terms of having more girls, having more um, LGBT, mm. having more um, black and ethnic, ethnic minority um, candidates. I hate that term, but I'm going to use it just mm-hmm. for simplicity. So it's getting a lot better. In my individual department, I would say it, it was a bit poor, even the gender split. And that's because insolvency, again, as I've just described, is a very stressful department to be in. One of the things as well we found is that at the lower levels, there were more women or girls. Mm -hmm. Um, But as you went up, so director, partner at the top, more senior levels, you just wouldn't get people. And that's because you have to study an extra qualification to be able to actually run an administration process. Okay. And they are called IPs, so insolvency practitioners. And you have to do a whole other set of like bankruptcy and insolvency exams, which are Mm. very, you get this thick, thick red book. Mm -hmm. You could literally whack someone over the head with it. (laughs) It's thick and it's got all these insolvency laws and studying for that, it takes a year, two years out of your life. Um, And like you need a, backbench and like you just need so many things to even take that time and do it yeah and if you've got kids or you want to have a baby it's quite hard to do yeah i think as a whole the amount of people who do it it's quite small Mm -hmm. but i think being a woman and doing it i think it's just a tiny bit harder yeah and also i think women are less you kind of have to push to be able to do the exams and i think women are a bit less likely to push themselves forward and say i would like to sit the exams Mm -hmm. i think i'd make a great insolvency practitioner definitely it's just like a confidence gap isn't there yeah absolutely do you see yourself doing it no No. (laughs) (laughs) the reason i shut the the idea down so quickly is because I don't like exams. Same. The fifteen, 100%. the fifteen ACA exams were enough for me, and I think you have to do two now. I think it's two, but they're quite big exams, and you can only sit them once a year as well. So if you fail, That's you nice. have to wait a whole another year to be able to reset it. No, I, I'm the same. <laughs> I can't. I can't do exams. The second year that I was out of uni, I was like, this is the first year in how many years since I was like in primary school that I haven't had to take like a quiz or an exam in my nice life, feeling, and it's it? so, but anything. it's so like weird that like, and then to, I don't know. Yeah, I I agree. I just think there's something <laughs> so grim about it. But I'm saying that, and then like maybe I'll have to in the future or something. Mm. I don't know, but yeah, scary. So where do you see your career going? I sort of see. I could see myself sort of staying in the restructuring bit. Mm-hmm. So sort of doing the options analysis and work before. I think as well, seeing lots of different types of companies can give me, I don't know, give me a platform to sort of do like consulting. So strategy consulting, how can we turn a business around? How can we uh, improve sales? How can we make the business more efficient, cost cutting and stuff like that? So I think I could actually do like strategy development, those types of roles. Alternatively, I could also do investing. So investing companies that are potentially not doing so well mm-hmm. and turn them around that way. So that's where I'd sort of see myself. Sounds so interesting. In the end. Um, yeah, You've really definitely. sold it to me. I mean, I knew nothing <laughs> beforehand. You know how, well, you were like, obviously way too young to ever have like worked through the crash. Yeah. Is that something that you kind of like fear happening again? And then, I don't know, basically, I'm just interested in your opinions on. So, yeah, so it's interesting you said that because when you're on restructuring, you're sort of counter cyclical mm-hmm. to the economy. So what I mean by that is in when the economy is bad, yeah. we're doing good because people start going bankrupt and companies start going bankrupt and actually 
that gives us work to do. So do I see another recession coming? I think one will come. Mm-hmm. We've sort of seen it coming. I just think there's too much uncertainty with Brexit and what's happening at the moment for it to quite happen. Yeah. It's almost like everyone's sort of waiting, waiting for it to happen, yeah, yeah. but it's not quite happened yet. So in terms of restructuring and solvency, they're all clapping their hands because they're like, well, <laughs> yeah. it's our time again. So in the last crash, um, so 2008, that's when a lot of, companies like Woolworths, HMV went bankrupt the first time. Mm-hmm. That's when it sort of happened. It'll be interesting to see what does happen. And obviously you don't you don't want like a mass mass layoffs and people out on the streets. That's not what you want. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens, I think. Yeah, no, that was it. I just like honestly want to know everyone's thoughts on what's going to happen with Brexit so that I don't have to <laughs> think about it myself. Um it's weird. So I I would say there's like an in, as an in, like an industry mm-hmm. we have the opinion that Brexit Brexit for restructuring people will mean that there's a lot there's a lot of work from a personal point of view you're sort of have you seen a lot of businesses go elsewhere i think a lot of businesses are sort of i think a lot everyone is just sort of a bit like unsure as to what is going to happen so Mm -hmm. we've seen a lot of businesses put off growth decisions because they're like well i want to see what happens Mm -hmm. it'll be interesting to see what happens with germany i think Mm -hmm. because germany has sort of said they're um their car manufacturing is slowing down. So it'll be interesting to see what happens, um, I definitely think. And what's happening in France as well with the Gilets Jaunes. That's really testing Macron at the moment. And I think it'll be interesting to see what happens, definitely. And what advice would you give to anyone getting into the industry? I would say read the news, but always have a cynical hat on. What, what restructuring has taught me is you kind of have to be a bit cynical. And I'm not saying that's always a good attitude to have. Mm-hmm. But if you're reading the news or you're reading about a company that you like, just sort of think, is this reasonable? Because loads of companies are like, we're going to grow by 6% and we're mm. going to do this. Just sometimes just put a sensible hat on and be like, is this realistic? What happens if this doesn't happen? Think about like the trade wars with Trump and China. It's like, how is that going to impact what's happening elsewhere? Mm-hmm. So you always have to kind of have a cynical hat on. And I would say if you're interested in it, definitely go for it there are lots of different bodies that you can contact if you're interested so um, there's one called r3 Mm -hmm. so r3 is the restructuring body it is it does a bit of sort of lobbying of the government around insolvency laws but it also was the sort of traditional insolvency practitioners like trade body shall we call it so i sit on their um sort of new professionals committee so that's people who've just sort of entered the profession and they just want to make friends meet Mm -hmm. other people so it's actually quite good do lots of socials and it's sort of across the sector so in an insolvency process you will have um, your insolvency practitioners you'll have advisors um, you'll have banks who lend people money you'll have some hedge funds or stuff like that who also lend people money and you'll have lawyers you'll always have lawyers yeah and there's just a good breadth of knowledge across it because you need so many different people in the process so you learn lots of different things and meet lots of different people and i would say if you're definitely interested in seeing how companies work or what not to do or how not to run a company it definitely is an interesting profession to get into (laughs) i have learned so much in the last like one i could listen to you speak forever but i've learned so much in the past like half an hour that i'm kind of just like hmm Wow, this is a real self-serving <laughs> podcast, isn't it? Well, just like it's being taught <laughs> different things every time. It was weird because I feel like I still haven't touched on every possible thing that, you know... It's so hard though because it feels like... I I mean, I didn't know much about it, but it feels like it's just this giant industry that is just like I have no idea about and like goes across pretty much like everything and every business and everything's business. So have you got anything you like want to plug? Any socials? Outside of 
what I do in restructuring, I actually run a food Instagram. Wow. Called Everything But The Bill. Following. <laughs> um, it's just me eating donuts mostly. But um, yeah, that's one of my interests outside of that is food. And also, actually, one of the things I would say, working for the big four, you mm. get taken to lots of nice places and mm. lots of nice socials. So I've eaten a lot of great food. So <laughs> this is a way to like showcase it i love it <laughs> well thank you so much for coming on no thank you it's you, been nice to talk to you you just taught me so much and i hope she's taught everyone else something too <laughs>